Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate so much you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We have to respect the word of God because it defines for us what the truth is. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And only the truth is going to set us free from sin. John 8, 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So that's why we let the truth, that's why we allow the word of God, which defines for us what the truth is, to decide any issue here. If you have a Bible question or comment, be sure and give us a call at 877-655-6755. Let me assure you we're going to use God's word, the scriptures, to decide any question that comes up on this program. Now, when I say that, I'm not trying to be arrogant. It's not that I can't be wrong. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the Bible can't be wrong because it came from God. So we're going to try our best to let the Bible decide not what you want, not what I want, not what you or I think is best, not what's politically correct, but what God actually says. We've been talking about death the last week or so, the four different types of death. And that may be a little confusing. Death simply means a separation. There are different types of death. Physical death, according to James 2.26, would be the separation of body from spirit. Probably most of my audience is also familiar with spiritual death. That's the separation of our spirit from God. We also have a couple other things mentioned. One in Romans 7.4, for example, we're dead to the law, so we're separated from the law, the old law. We don't have to keep the old law anymore. And then we, the Bible teaches in Romans 6 a couple of times, it says we die unto sin, we're, we're dead unto sin. That means we separate ourselves from our sins. We repent. We change our life. Four different types of death. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. Spiritual death, as we said, is the separation of our spirit from God. And that's very, that's the most important thing. You know, Romans 5, 12, which we ended with last week, says death, I think talking about spiritual death, passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Now, the Catholics and the Calvinists will tell you, no, death passes upon all men because Adam sinned, that we all inherit the original sin of Adam. The Bible nowhere teaches that. That's something that the Catholics made up. That's something the Calvinists copied. Romans 5.12, in my public debates on this issue, are babies born guilty of the original sin of Adam? The number one passage to try to prove it is Romans 5.12, and we just showed it teaches the exact opposite. Death passes upon all men, not because of Adam's sin, but because it says, for that all have sinned. So the reason Pat dies spiritually is because of my sins, not Adam's sins. That's clear. Now let's talk a little bit more about physical death. What happens at physical death? What happens at physical death? Well, Revelation 14.13 reads this way. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Now notice something there that's very important. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. It's talking about when you die physically, you're going to be blessed if you die in the Lord. In the Lord would mean in a fellowship with Jesus Christ, in a safe relationship with the Lord. If you die in that condition, you're going to be blessed, meaning you're going to be saved eternally. But if you don't die in the Lord, you're not going to be blessed. You're going to be lost eternally. What I'm trying to say is our fate is sealed 
at the point of death. You can't, as long as you're alive, you can change your eternal destiny. You can always change from being lost to saved by deciding and committing to and start trusting and obeying Christ, Hebrews 5, 9. But once you die, you don't have that option anymore. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says on the judgment day, we're going to be judged by the things done in our body, whether they were good or bad. Done in our body while we're alive. Hebrews 9.27 reads this way. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this is the judgment. It doesn't mean that the judgment day always happens one second after you die. That, that'd be impossible because everybody dies at different times and the judgment day is going to happen for everybody at the same time. What it's saying is there's nothing that happens in between your physical death and the judgment day to change your destination. Everything significant in the respect of deciding where you're going to go, where you're going to spend eternity, happens in this life. Nothing happens in that respect between your physical death and the judgment day. You're, it is appointed man unto man wants to die. After this, the judgment. You can't do anything between those two times to change your eternal destiny. So it's so very important what your spiritual condition is when you physically die because that's when your destiny is set. And those destinies have, there's two different destinies and there's a stark contrast. Matthew 25, 46, for example, reads this way. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. The wicked will go away into everlasting punishment. That's their destiny. But the righteous, those who trust and obey Christ, will go to eternal life. That's the two most polar opposite things you could possibly have. And everybody listening to this program tonight and all your friends and relatives and myself included, we're all going to end up at one of these two destinies, these destinations. And we need to make sure that we're right with God when we physically die because our fate is sealed then. We don't know when we're going to die physically. That's why we need to make sure that we're right with God at any point. Make sure you're right with God right now because you don't want to face death you may not be expecting it but you may die tomorrow you don't want to face death if you're not right with god that's what this program is all about is to help teach us all what a person has to do to be right with god first and foremost that means you have to that jesus has to die for our sins but you have to accept the benefits of that death, and that means to trust and obey him. For example, in a very simple sentence, Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you want to be saved by the death of Christ, you have to trust and obey, believe and be baptized. And if you haven't done that, you're not ready to meet your maker. And if you die, you're going to be lost. What happens at physical death? Well, there's a time between physical death and the judgment day, as we see from Hebrews 9.27. Well, actually, we don't see it from that, but there's uh, we look in there, and do we know one happens after the other? But what does happen in between there? Well, let's read Luke 16, 19 through 21, to talk about what happens between a person's death and the judgment day. Luke 16, beginning in verse 19. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755, 877-655-6755, verse 19 of Luke 16. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen 
and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels and Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, he, talking about the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, so we have this man who's rich in this life, and we have a poor man in this life. And it turns out that the rich man goes to the torments part of Hades, and the poor the poor man goes to Abraham's bosom, the comfort part. It's not he's not lost because he's rich. He didn't become he's he's lost because he didn't trust and obey God during his lifetime. He didn't help the poor, for example. And the poor man, Lazarus, is not saved because he was poor. No, but it, there's a contrast made. Just because you have it good in this life, maybe you're rich, doesn't mean you're going to have it good in the afterlife. You may be lost. And just because you have it poor or badly in this life, like this Lazarus fella, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have it poor or bad in the next life. That's not the deal. You're not saved or lost because you're rich or poor. I mean, what you do with those material possessions does have something to do with your say, whether or not you're saved. That's the point of Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When we read verse 46, these will go away to everlasting punishment. That's the people that ha- were not willing to help those less fortunate than they were. These others, the faithful, will go away into life eternal. That's the ones that were willing to help those less fortunate themselves. Now, that's not the only thing we're going to be judged based upon, whether or not we helped others. We're going to be judged based upon our doctrine. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 9, but in vain do they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And so if we teach the commandments of men for doctrine, our worship will be in vain, useless or worthless. You can't go to heaven like that. We're going to be judged based upon our morality. You know, liars and fornicators, adulterers, murderers shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Revelation 21, 8. I didn't uh, just try to quote that. Didn't get all the list of sins there, but it makes it clear the immoral if they don't repent, they're going to be lost. Well, let's go back to Luke 16 here. If you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755 to find out what's going to happen to people after they die while they're waiting the judgment day. Verse 22, it came to pass, the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and then Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may, di- he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this, in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Now, that's the contrast. He's not lost because he's rich or this other fellow's not saved because he's poor, but it turned out that way, and you see the contrast here mentioned in verse 25. Verse 26 says, and besides this, all this between you, us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So they're they're all in Hades, but there's a good part of Hades that's called comfort, Abraham's bosom, and there's a bad part of Hades, torture, torments, but there's a great gulf in there. You can't pass from one side to the other. 
Verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. This place in Hades, the torment part, reminds me and should remind you of H-E-L-L. Sounds, it sounds very similar. This is where you go while you're waiting to go to the bad place. And the comfort part, Abraham's bosom, is where you go while you're waiting to go to heaven. Your fate is sealed at physical death. But then you get, we might say, I've heard it said, I like this analogy. On the judgment day, you get your sentencing. You know, you get the verdict when you die or when Jesus comes back again. Everybody will get their verdict then who's living at the same time. You get your verdict then, but the sentencing comes at the judgment day. Well, what about in between there? You're here in Hades, and there's two parts of Hades. The torment, the torture. You don't want to be there. That's where the wicked go. The righteous, those who serve God faithfully and receive were forgiven based upon the blood of Christ. They're going to be in the comfort part of Hades. Those that are in the torment part of Hades on the judgment day will go to the bad place, H-E-L-L. And those in the comfort part, Abraham's bosom part of Hades, on the judgment day, they'll go to heaven. So the fate is already sent, is already determined, but the sentencing comes at the judgment day. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655- 6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. So we've talked about physical death, the separation of our spirit from our body. Our fate is sealed then. We've talked about uh, spiritual death. That's when our where spirit is separated from God. And that's even more important. That decides where we're going to go eternally. How can we avoid eternal spiritual death? Well, we've already talked about this. The first thing that had to happen for us to avoid eternal spiritual death is Jesus had to die for us. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Jesus died for every man. Now, of course, the Calvinists will tell you he didn't die for every man, that he only died for the elect. But, of course, they're ignoring what the Bible says. There's, This is so clear. Not too many things any clearer that are clearer than this in the Bible. It says Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted death for every man. That's it, everybody. Now, the Calvinists will say, well, that means if he died for every man, every man will be saved. No. They're forgetting the fact that salvation is conditional. Jesus died for every man so that anybody who chose to believe in Christ could be saved, John 3.16. So the first thing that has to happen for us to avoid eternal spiritual death, Jesus has to die for us. Sure enough, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 says Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus died for us, for everybody, so that anybody who's willing to obey Christ can be saved. Hebrews 5, 9 says, talking about Jesus, he became the author or the source of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So you have to obey Jesus to be to receive eternal salvation. I know that a lot of denominational churches say, no, all you got to do is believe. You don't have to obey. But I didn't write Hebrews 5, 9. And I didn't write the other, you know, 100 verses that teach the same thing that you have to obey. 
Jesus is the source of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Meaning that if you don't obey him, you won't be saved. If all you do is believe and you don't obey, James 2.24 says, you see them have that by works and man is justified and not by faith only. People want to teach. You say by faith only. The Bible says the exact opposite. Jesus died so that we could be saved. Revelation 20, 13 through 15, I've already mentioned this, but let's read that. Revelation 20, 13 through 15. It says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What I want you to notice from this is that everybody's going to have to face God in judgment. If you're not in the book of life, you're going to be cast in the lake of fire. The book of life is God's list of the names of all the saved people. It says about everybody that we're going to be judged according, they're going to be judged according to their works. Now, that's contrary to a lot of preachers' opinion. They say, no, you're not going to be judged according to your works, but this verse and others like it say you are going to be judged according to to your works. And so the way to avoid spiritual death is to be faithful to God in your works, to obey what God says, because you're going to be judged according to your works. According to your works. It says, uh, uh, they're going to be judged according to your works based upon the books in a couple of verses before that. I mean, your works are going to be compared to the what the Bible says, the books of the Bible. It's going to be severe consequences if you are judged negatively on the judgment day. Here's Revelation 14, verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Conscious uninterrupted, never-ending punishment. You don't want to face God in judgment spiritually dead. It's going to be conscious, uninterrupted, no rest day or night, never-ending, forever, for and ever, punishment. You don't avoid that eternal spiritual death. And you do that by trusting and obeying Christ so that you can receive the benefits of his death. He died for everybody, but the atheists are not going to be saved. Even people who believe in Jesus who don't obey Jesus won't be saved. Only those who trust and obey him. Second Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.8 says that God's going to take vengeance on people with flaming fire, those that do not know God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You got to know God. You got to believe in him. And you got to obey the gospel. It takes trust and obey, just like the famous hymn says. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Give us a call, 877 877- 655-6755. Now, next point. The death of Christ separated us from the old law. That's the third type of death I wanted to talk about in this lesson. The first was physical death, separation of our spirit from our body. The second was spiritual death, a separation of our spirit from God. The third death I want to talk about is our separation from the old law. Romans 7, 4, Paul wrote, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. You see that word death used in reference to our separation from the old law? That's that's because the Jews were under that Old Testament law, but we're not. We're separated from it. Colossians 2.14 reads this way. Blotting out 
the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So that old law was in effect until Jesus came, until he died and nailed it to the cross. And because he nailed it to the cross, it's no longer binding. He blotted it out. In other words, in effect, we're dead to the law, which is what Romans 7, 4 says. We've been separated from the law. We don't have to keep that Old Testament law anymore. Genesis through Malachi. That law was just for the Jews for those centuries leading up to the time of Christ. But after Christ came, beginning on the day of Pentecost, according to Luke 24, 47, this New Testament law is in effect. We're under the law of Christ. We are, if you want to please God today, you follow what the New Testament says, not the Old Testament. We still study the Old Testament because the New Testament quotes the Old Testament quite frequently. And so we're going to study the Old Testament, not because it's our law, but because it's going to help us understand the New Testament law, which is our law for today. You want to know what to do today to please God, what to do to be saved, how to worship God, how to live your everyday life? You turn to the New Testament law. That's because not the Old Testament law. Romans 7, 4 says you are dead to that law, separated from that law. And then the fourth type of spiritual death I want to mention. We, and I think this is a figurative use, we die unto sin, meaning we separate ourselves from sin. This happens in our repentance. Let me see if I can read Romans 6, 1 through 12 real quickly. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Evidently, some Christians then were thinking, well, Grace is when God forgives us, so maybe we should sin more so we can get more forgiveness, and that's more grace. Paul says, God God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin? And there's our phrase, dead to sin. See, that's the fourth type of death, dead to sin. Separated from sin, you repented of your sins. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his resurrection, of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. So we should not serve sin anymore because when we're baptized, we committed to quit serving sin. Verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore. That's a conclusion statement. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. We're supposed to be dead to sin, separated from sin. We repented it, made up our mind to quit serving sin. So he says, follow through on that commitment. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body anymore. That's the fourth type of death. Separation from sin, repentance, changing your life, quit serving sin and start serving righteousness as Romans 6 says. Death to sin. Have you died to sin a lot of people they're believers and they think they're saved because they're believers but i saw a meme the other day on facebook the devil believes in jesus but the devil's not a christian know the difference the devil's a believer but he's not a christian know the difference so just because you're a believer doesn't make you a christian no you have to die to sin according to romans 6 
to be a Christian, you have to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. Repent. Make a commitment to change your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We get rid of those old things. The old man of sin, become a new creature, start living a different way. John 3, verse 3 puts it this way. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's got to be born again. He's got to change his life, start a new life, a different life, living a different way. Jesus elaborates in verse 5, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The way a man is born again is by being baptized in water according to the teaching of the spirit. He receives the forgiveness of all his sins and he's got to start a new life. He's got to start walking in newness of life according to Romans 6. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free Bible study, 256-682-9753.